Super 70 Sports Podcast. Oh, hell yeah. Feels good to be back. I'm Ricky Cobb, and this is the Super 70 Sports Podcast. We've had a little hiatus, about six weeks off, so we're going to look to finish up the year strong through the fall into the winter. A lot of great guests that we have lined up, and that starts today. My guest, the batting stance guy, Garai Ness, one of the funniest guys in sports media, and if you've seen his work, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen his work, I'm going to suggest that you pause this. Go to YouTube and type in Batting Stance Guy because this guy is nothing short of brilliant. He can mimic the batting stance of any major league player today, yesterday, you name it. Garai Ness has a talent unlike any other. So check that out if you don't know what I'm talking about. And if you do know what I'm talking about, We're going to get him right here on the Super 70 Sports Hotline in just a moment to talk about what he calls the least marketable skill in America. Uh, Just incredible stuff that uh, he can do. He's been a YouTube sensation, uh, really has taken off. He, He works on MLB Network now, and you may have seen his work there. Just really a... Uh, talented guy and a very, very funny man. So right now, let's go to the Super 70 Sports Hotline and welcome to the podcast, Gar Ryness, the batting stance guy. Gar, how are you? Sensational, Ricky C. (laughs) Man, I am uh, totally stoked to have you on this podcast because... From the time that you came on the scene and, and you know, what I can only describe as a meteoric rise to superstardom. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it, when was it? Was it 2008 that this yeah. really that this really blew up for you? Yeah, April of 2008 was when everything kind of started. Without, without, any, um, without any knowledge that it was actually starting. <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't really know what, uh, I didn't know what YouTube was. Um, I certainly didn't know phrases that people know now, like uh, viral or, hey, you're featured or, you know, stuff that my brother, who's eight years younger, like his friends were all telling me things where I would just kind of nod like, oh, totally, that's awesome, featured, even though I would like look it up in the dictionary, like, what does that mean? I don't know what that <laughs> means. So, what, so it was when a buddy, um, we were all playing wiffle ball and a buddy was laughing at some Red Sox in the, the neighborhood I live in and the friends I have, they just don't know sports that well. So, you know, the last thing I'm thinking of doing is saying, hey, check it out. I imitate baseball players because <laughs> none of them know baseball. And so luckily this guy knows Red Sox. And he, and he for some reason, he said, maybe I said, hey, Mo, here's Mo Vaughn or something. But then he started rattling off some Red Sox. And he was laughing and he said, hey, can I video you? And then... Um, I, I want to show a couple of my buddies back in Boston because that's where he's from. And so then he, so then the, another guy there just lobbed out 15 names and then he recorded it. And then he wasn't trying to send it to him, so he just put it on YouTube. And then the next day, Bill Simmons ran it on ESPN 
on his, you know, page two. And so then it got a bunch of hits and comments and whatnot. And I thought, ah, that's fun. And then a week later, uh, it ran on the front page of YouTube. So that was when I got people being like, dude, you're featured. And I didn't really know what that meant. (laughs) And then it, you know, went from like, hey, instead of 30 comments, there are 1,500 now. And then I read, you know, by the way, terrible mistake. Don't <laughs> don't read YouTube comments. I didn't know. <laughs> uh, your self-esteem can dig a great hit. Uh, or at the very least, you'll because there's no spell check, you'll be called Doshbag an awful lot. <laughs> um, so, you, so I'm looking through it, and then people keep saying, you know, there's a good chance this guy has, like, a high-functioning disease, or when you kiss a girl for the first time, you're going to see skyrockets, my man. Um, or, uh, you know, do the Phillies. Do the Astros? Can you do my team? Can you? So then I was like, "Whoa, yeah, let's just shoot. Let's just shoot one of these for for each team, you know, little by little." All right, all right. So let's let's talk about the high functioning aspect of this because you know I've yeah. I've heard the you know Rain Man comparisons and <laughs> and you know that it's like a you know savant type of ability. I mean, I, it's like when I see what you do, I th- I'm reminded of those people who claim that they can remember what they were doing on any specific day of their life. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think Mary Lou Henner, the actress. Yep, both of us have April sixth birthdays. <laughs> okay, there you go. I mean, I don't. I'm not into astrology, but maybe there's something to it. Yeah, I, I mean, mm-hmm. is this a talent that you've always been aware that you had, or is this something where you just wake up one day and you're like, oh yeah, I just, I just happen to know hundreds of batting stances. I never really thought about it, but turns out this is something I can do. Yeah, good question. We weren't allowed. So I grew up in Northern California, and. My parents had a rule against us watching much television, so we had to log times. So there was a three by five card taped up above our phone, and it was you had to write, "Okay, I'm going to watch Family Ties." So that's a half hour. Or I'm going to, and we were only allowed seven hours a week, so so the TVs just weren't on. So I was usually out in front playing stickball, or um, I have three younger siblings, so if they were like taking a nap and the house had to be quiet, the TV wasn't on. I would take a bunch of baseball cards, put them kind of like make a lineup and then almost do like a fake game like with a wiffle ball wiffle ball not a wiffle ball but like a wiffle bat and then a glove um so maybe that was a a precursor to maybe i was like really thinking through what the guys hit like but i wasn't really watching much tv and so i think all of us you know had to use our imaginations a little bit more and then we were all um again because the tv wasn't on we were all like imitating our parents or kind of goofing around and and I was the only one that didn't really end up doing anything um, uh, like I don't know theatrical like my sister both my sisters went to um, do musical theater um, in college one sang in a band and then one um, now is like the storyboard artist for Bubble Guppies amongst other shows <laughs> um, and so she's uh, they're both super talented and my brother is on Broadway. So um, I was the only one in the family sans talent, and I certainly didn't think imitating baseball players was it, but the, all three of them were very, very kind of out there. My brother right now is on, in Matilda on Broadway as Miss Trunchbull, uh, and so he's been one that won a Tony. So, um, yeah, I didn't really think of it like, oh, you know what, I'm putting together this arsenal of imitations. And, uh, and the, my neighborhood, like the kids didn't, I mean, they, they were like, I guess that's a good Tim Raines. Who's Tim Raines again? You know, <laughs> just do another thing. So it wasn't until I went back to college 
at Syracuse that come to find out like everyone in the Northeast like knows sports. So so I think the first time somebody asked me to imitate Lenny Dykstra, I got known in the dorms as like, oh my gosh, this guy can do all the 86 Mets. And so, because so, it's snowing outside, you can't go outside. So people will come in the room and like, hey, do this guy, do this guy, do this guy. And uh, and so that's that's when I thought, huh, you know, I don't have to be a Saturday Night Live actor here. I, I don't if I'm not doing voices, it's just mannerisms. And if there's actually an audience of people that know what Wally Backman does, and they're laughing, that's that's a great feeling, you know. And so I so then and then once I left college, it was like back to California and less people that like really want to see a Mackie Sasser imitation. So, <laughs> so it's just kind of like, I, no, I was not thinking like, hey, hopefully this this internet is invented and hopefully there's a there's a system called YouTube where people can post things on. <laughs> so, so, so tell me, so between you, you graduating from college and you, uh, you know, becoming the batting stance guy, I mean, how often would you do this? I mean, how often would those skills go on display just to amuse your friends or to amuse yourself or whatever? Well, weddings. Yeah, well, like weddings and fancy football drafts in Maine when, when a bunch of my college buddies would all get together. That's when it was like, hey, look at this guy. And then a couple times what would happen is somewhat awkwardly, I'd go you know, visit a buddy in Charlotte, and then he would say, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend Jamie. And then he would explain, hey, she, he does batting stances. And I would think, oh, that's right. I forgot I do batting stances. And then, and then Jamie would say, all right, let me see, um, let me see Gorman Thomas. Let me see Paul Molitor. And I'd be like, are you from Milwaukee? Like, well, that's a weird, that's a weird <laughs> comment. Let me see Charlie Moore. And I was like, okay, you're definitely from Milwaukee. And she's like, let me see Jim Gantner. I'm like, all right, well, he does this and he does this. And then she's like dying laughing. And I turn, I'm like, I don't, why is that so funny? And then the guy would be like, oh, it's Jim Gantner's daughter. You know? So, uh-huh. so, so, so sometimes that would happen where it would be, you'd be in the presence of somebody's family member and it would come up. But, but that was it. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really come up. My dad and brother sort of, and we were playing wiffle ball. I would just kind of pretend to be, but I wasn't in front of a mirror. So I wasn't thinking I, wow, I've got this thing that's going to like, really work <laughs> all right now, now let, let's talk about the the artistry to this because you know it's it, you, I, I saw an interview with you somewhere i can't remember if i read it or saw it but you were talking about how through the zone everybody's more or less the same but it's it's the it's the pre-pitch routine it's the way that they get out of the box you know the way that they let the bat go etc that's really kind of where the magic is now the thing that i think is really genius about what you do is there's so many different guys who i didn't even necessarily realize <laughs> what their peculiarities were until you showed it to me even guys that i've watched for years you know, like I was watching you do Dave Winfield today, and of course everybody knows Dave Winfield. If you're if you were a baseball fan in the seventies and eighties, you can imagine yeah. Dave Winfield at the plate right now. But it yeah. was the way that he was getting out of the box after the swing, and I laughed out loud this afternoon. And I thought, you know, it's just there's a certain there are these little things that you spot, and then you're able to you know to b- blow them up into their <laughs> essence, I guess. And I, to me, I think that's your gift. I mean, how, how how much time do you spend working on a guy before you feel like you have him down? So unfortunately, very, very little. Uh, like like all, I don't know, I guess I could say comedy, but um, 
if, if people aren't laughing, it's just not funny, you know? So, so usually what, what will happen is at this point, um, when a person asks for Dave Winfield, well, I've done that before. And sometimes I'll see it on television or I saw it like on E60. I think there was a time I, I'm not kidding. I, I love swinging a bat. So if I'm in like the backyard or if I'm coaching my daughter's softball team, I mean, whenever I'm picking up a bat, I guess I'm kind of thinking through, I don't know. I'm just kind of standing like Paul O'Neill or Ryan Zimmerman or whoever. Um, but I'm really looking in a mirror, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so sometimes I'll see on television, I'll think, oh my gosh, I'm way too closed on George Brett. Like he's not, like, I'll, but literally I'll be looking at ESPN, like the E60, and I'll be like, oh, I, I'm not, that's not right. It's, I'm too closed or I'm too, my hands aren't high enough on Carlos Beltran, you know, when I'll see. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's no. It's crazy that, right. that that's where, <laughs> that's actually where I'll see it. Like the, like the Ken Griffey Jr., like what I'm doing in my head, I'll see it on this on the screen and think, no, he because his bat's heavy. When I'm swinging like a plastic bat, my follow through is doesn't look exactly the same as his, you know, in my mind at least. So, so the the actual time spent, like um, you know, quite often at this point, like when I'm down on the field with players or when I'm at. Um, like a charity event, a lot of times the players will have me as the, either the entertainment or the MC on a, on an event they're doing. Um, and so at that point, it's all players I've never been asked to. Well, not all players, but it's a lot of players I've never been asked to imitate once. You know, so I'll I just did a thing with Pete Rose when the Reds induct him in the Hall of Fame, and you know, so people were yelling out, uh, "Do Doug Flynn!" And I mean. <laughs> Doug Flynn's family hasn't asked for a Doug Flynn imitation from him in, in you know, in decades. So um, I was at a, a bar at, at a hotel at 1.45 a.m., and Jim Abbott asked me to imitate Mike Aldretti. You know, so, so, so there's, that is, that's amazing, a, by the way. There's a, there's you know, that justifies, that justifies the yeah. entire endeavor that you're, that you're making with this. I, yeah, I was, I was visiting a film set and, um, of a buddy that was making a film and, um, Walt Goggins said, Hey, can I, can you give me a Chipper Jones right here? So sometimes it'll just come out of nowhere where someone will, someone will ask for, um, a player nowhere, but the, the, the Dave Winfield, like that example, um, I think what, again, there's, there was, there was never like a, a write out or like a business proposal on what you're going to do. But I think what players at least, and then subsequently fans have reacted to is I am taking the first thing I notice about that player and then heightening it. And often it's not the thing that the, that the batting coach cares about. So it's, you know, the batting coach cares about, the hands, maybe the hips, definitely the feet or the toes or kind of like how they do it. They do not care what facial expression David Justice is making. Or like when Jim Tomei is holding out the bat, they don't care what, they don't care how many times Brian McCann stretches his face before the pitch comes. And so if that's the thing you notice first or if it's King Griffey Jr.'s booty or like whatever the thing is. The thing you do with Ron Carew being so relaxed that he just yeah. dozes off of there. Yeah. You know, that's that's also beautiful. And the players, it's unbelievable. I mean, Ricky, why would I ever in a million years when I was, you know, 20 even think, hey, you know what, just hold on for a little bit and then keep doing imitations and the players are going to love it. Like, well, how would I meet a player? <laughs> right. What, what, like, what, on Johnny Carson? Like, how, how would you even, 
how would this be marketed? Like, and what is it? Is it a thing? I mean, it was, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a kid of a player. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't, I wasn't like around players, you know? So this was just like, like hopefully like your little league team finds it funny, but. Well, even, well, let's get into that because I mean, uh, obviously I, I've seen you doing uh, bits for players and those guys are, are, are literally rolling. Uh, when was the first time that you did stances for players and how how nervous were you for that so pretend like i'm pretend like my receding hairline's real and i'm not like a 19 year old right now um so i've i think because i was already like married with two kids and life was kind of already moving on i mean every every time i've been in on the field in front of players i just see it as like winning the lottery, and and I don't see it as like, oh my gosh, what if Derek Jeter thinks I'm uncool? Like, I'm uncool. Like, so it's okay. Like, <laughs> I'm 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 not like trying to have girls like wink at me from the crowd. Like, enjoying my wife of 20 years, of enjoying my kids and my life. So so I think because ha- I've I've thought about this. Like, had this happened at 19, I would have thought like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to make Robin Yount mad, right? I don't want to like too much from him whereas now I just see it as like every every fan that loves baseball that, that has ever wanted to like get to know players or I don't know have them know who they are or it's just like they can kind of like vicariously live through me down on the field and and when I'm interacting I mean I'm just like you I'm just, I'm just I just love baseball and I just can't believe like I'm some kind of powerball winner that I'm down with the players, so so even the very first time that I was doing, let's see, it was a Dodger, it was a Dodger pregame show, and I didn't even know who they were playing. Um, I'd already done the Twins and the Brewers, but I hadn't interacted with players. They'd filmed it like way early on the field before the players came out, so I hadn't interacted with any player, um, and I was assuming at best, you know, season ticket holders that like YouTube were seeing it. So I knew like there was numbers, like people were watching it, but I didn't know. A lot of my friends don't get like the nuance of like, oh, yep, that's exactly what Mark Kotze does when he gets in the box. I mean, they don't know who Mark Kotze is. So, so when, um, so when the Dodgers were filming this pregame show, I got a tap on the shoulder from a Padre staffer that said, "Hey, Adrian Gonzalez wants to meet you." And I turned around, I was like, "Wait, the Adrian? Like, huh?" And so I walked over, and then he introduced himself to me and said, "Hey, we watch you in the clubhouse all the time." And I, I was, I was stunned, but still, it was like he wanted me to see, he wanted to see some imitations. I was like, "All right." I mean, it was no different than my buddies in college. I don't know, like at someone's wedding, someone pulling out a wiffle ball bat and be like, "Hey, do do some imitations." I mean, it was. Right, they just happen to be pros. You know? Right, right. You're kind of like breaking down that wall between between the the pros and the rest of us, and finding out that they're 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 like us in that respect. You know. Well, what's funny is they all they all kind of look alike. Like when I was a kid and I saw these guys, I just thought, oh my gosh, they're they're giants. And I'm I'm six three. I mean, barefooted. I'm probably six three and a half. I'm pretty much taller than every player. <laughs> so, like, when I was down the Padres, like, sure, I saw Chris Young, who was 6'10". I saw Jake TV who had, like, a super weathered face. And everyone else looked exactly alike. <laughs> everyone was, like, 
in real good shape and about 5'11". <laughs> you know, I was like, wait, who's who? Like, can you guys turn around so I can see your face, like the name on the back of your jersey? That's like, true. Everyone looks exactly alike. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it's... I'm not the only guy who, uh, who who has that problem. Oh, by the way, the worst is, so when I'll get onto the field and film stuff way before the game, so like, I don't know, 2.30, like let's say I'm filming something, and it'll just be like the guys on the, the DL that are working out um, or maybe they're just jogging in a Texas Ranger shirt without a, their name on it, no hat, kind of disheveled hair. And I've had people walk up to me and be like, hey, can, can I see me? And I'll look at them like, wait, who? And they'll be like, it's me, it's Hank Blaylock. I was like, oh, you just hit the game-winning home run in the world, the, the All-Star game. I probably should know who you are, but you look like a totally indescript person <laughs> without the name on it. It's like, ugh. Can't and then certainly all these like charity events. It's like everyone's dressed kind of nice. It's like I'm assuming that's you're Ben Francisco, you're Rajay Davis, you're Chris Heisey. You're <laughs> it's like without the name. Well, you take a player out of their context, yeah. and no, it's yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, I, I saw George Brett at a golf tournament once, and I mean he's George Brett, and I still had yeah. to do a double take. You know, yeah. Out of the strangely like bigger than him at that point <laughs> like in your mind he was yeah like, no it's true long. yeah he was I think he was he was certainly no bigger than me he might have even been shorter than me and so yeah, it's yeah. just and you're looking there and you know he's just a guy at a golf tournament but nobody yeah. but I'm just like yeah the guy's got you know 3100 hits or or, yeah. <laughs> or whatever the case is now l- l- let's talk about that you know you're talking about how the players are <laughs> uh, kind of clones in some respects now yeah. uh, over time Looking back on the 70s and the 80s in that era, it, it seems to me, and maybe this is just the, you know, the thing that we do when we look back on, on, on our childhood, we, we just see it differently. But I feel like maybe there's a little less variety today in batting stances than when I was growing up. Is that, is that a trick that my mind is playing on me, or is there any truth in that? So, so yes and no. Um, I mean, the, the the granularness of the question of is there anyone right now like Julio Franco, uh, no. But also there was no one in the 70s like Julio Franco. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was totally unique and luckily played like three decades. So um, there's, um, there's a bunch of styles that mimic the hitting coaches. So luckily... There have been, you know, back in the twenties or whatever, when it was just probably the manager. You know, if 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 Lou Gehrig wanted to pump the bat down lower than his waist before swinging, he was allowed to do it. Jimmy Fox would like coil around, so guys would hit strangely differently. And then, I mean, I don't know if guys weren't wearing cups, but you know, in the seventies, it was like every other guy had a super closed stance. Like they were super worried about getting hit by a ball in an area that was going to be painful. And so you had, you know, Disco Dan Ford and uh, Mike Schmidt and and Joe Rudy. You guys, it's just like we all know their numbers because you could see it every bat. You're looking right at, oh, Joe Rudy, 26, because I'm, I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas, you know, in the 80s, it was like, well, what was Mark McGuire's number? Like, you may not have known it because he wasn't closed and he wasn't open. It was just like unless you knew stuff like that, you can't tell, like, was Rafael Palmeiro's number? I don't know. I mean, he's, he's you're not you're never really looking at it because he's just kind of standing like you're supposed to, you know. Um, 
So then I think, um, like, a, in that New York Times article that was written about kind of the death of the interesting batting stance, um, the writer and I had a really awesome conversation, and, and I was pushing back on his premise in that, you know, I think Lauren Michaels said that everybody's favorite cast of Saturday Night Live is whenever they were, like, a junior in high school to a freshman in college. So you think, you know, if you're... 51, you're like, yeah, you know, nobody's ever done it like Eddie Murphy. And then if you're 20, you're probably like, oh my gosh, Bobby Moynihan's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I don't even know, you know, who's that? Right. <laughs> I guess for me, it's Myers. like, the, yeah, for me, it's like uh, the Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey yep. era, right? Yep. So there's like an era, and then it's like, yeah, oh, Saturday Night Live stinks. Like, it's not as good as it used to be. Even though it's like, if you really break it down, like, really? Because, like, the digital shorts are kind of, like, the funniest things, and they weren't there in the 80s. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's a new that's a new thing. And, and and you're older. I don't know. You're 40, and you have kids, or you're 30, and you're single, or you're 20, and, I don't know, you just moved to this country. Like, you're, you're in a different spot when you're watching it. So, usually, the person that says batting stances are gone is somebody that's a little older and, and, and busy, like, not really looking for the same kind of knuckleheady kid stuff. That we did when we were 11. We were like, what is Carney Lance for doing? There's a lot of like investment bankers that don't have time to look at what Brad Miller of the Rays is doing or what John Jason of the Pirates is doing. Um, both are so much more interesting than most of the guys in the 80s and the 70s, but they're never in the World Series and, and we're not really looking. And the, and the cameras and all the like producers of baseball and the camera people are, are, are not funny. So... So you would have seen Pablo Sandoval from the box, from from the on-deck circle to the box, until the first pitch was thrown. A camera should have stayed on him every second because what he was doing was all time. I mean, it was like seventies times ten. He was like a he was like a juggling clown, Bake McBride, with what he was doing. <laughs> he was he was kicking the bat. He was hitting his head with the bat. He was running toward the pitcher four steps in fair territory. It, what he was doing, if you were at a Giants game and you just told your kid, hey, watch number 48, they'd be like, you told him to do that. Why did he just do all that stuff? But the cameras aren't picking it up. So stuff that we would see as kids, I don't. I just don't think we're looking for now. So it's not, or, or there's, you know, internet on your phone or there's, basketball or there's like other right, things going right. on we're distracted then looking at like oh no because i know because all the time people will be like do bo jackson he was the craziest stance actually he was the boringest stance you've ever seen in your life it's just your memory of bo jackson is like he was amazing but when people are like do cecil fielder he was crazy he was as crazy as aaron hill not at all i mean he just stood there and he was to the right and it was like as crazy as sandy alomar jr not crazy at all you know, so all right. I, I don't think it's. I don't think they're gone. All right. Well, let me now give, give me some guys to look for here. I've, okay. I've I've got the MLB package, and I'm I'm not watching it as much as I should. So I need something <laughs> to spice up. Uh, you know, get me going. Uh, who are the? I've always been an open stance fan. I you know, no. I, I, Carew, <laughs> Cecil Cooper was a guy I liked. Who Who are the open stance guys so today? This is, this is your era. Just. Just watch a Texas Rangers game. So from Rognado Door to Nomar Mazzara, there there are lefties that that right foot is almost completely out of the box, and their left foot is almost in the strike zone. So they are incredibly wide open. And not only that, they're kind of like 
Gary Matthews Sr. like loopy with their bats before the ball is thrown. Um, it's it's awesome. And again, you're all you're at the mercy of the hitting coach. So, like what what only Brian Downing did in the late seventies and early eighties. Um, there's a bunch of guys doing it now. First of all, because Stephen Pierce is the only guy with a close stance. I think Yvonne De Jesus Jr. And Stephen Pierce is the only guy with close stance. So pretty much everyone has a straight-on stance or a super, super wide-open stance. John Jaso right now of the Pirates, not only does he look like Captain Ron, <laughs> um, but he's the only person I've ever seen do this. So he will stand. And by the way, he switches from year to year, so you got to look at it now because he will, he will do something different next year and different the year after and probably on a different team. Okay. So he will, he will stick both of his feet on the back line of the batter's box toward the catcher. So not toward the first base I got, but toward the catcher. He's a lefty. So he will stick both his feet. The only way you can do that is to bend your knees somewhat awkwardly and then put one foot behind the other. And then he holds his bat kind of out over the plate. And then when the ball comes, obviously he pulls his right foot back to the normal spot. Um, There's a guy in the Rays, Brad Miller. He was on the Mariners. He will stand pretty normally as a lefty. He'll have no batting gloves and awesome stirrups. And he'll stand pretty normally as a lefty. And he'll have his bat up like it should be. And then before the pitch comes, he will drop his right arm completely limp to his side. He'll keep his left hand up and the bat up. And then the very last second, right before the pitch is thrown, he'll put his right hand back on the bat. So, like, with the guys that have weirder stances, more unconventional stances, sometimes, like what you're describing with Jaso and whatever, stances that you would think that you would never dream up unless you were, you know, trying to raise the degree of difficulty of being able to hit the ball... Uh, do, do you ever have conversations with those guys about like where their stance came from? Hundred percent. Yeah, it's always it's always an overcompensation for something that was bothering them before. So, you know, when Sean Green taps both feet and then puts the bat, basically, kind of seemingly drying off his bat, rubbing it against his crotch. There's no there's no less awkward way to put that. Um, clearly, like. At Tustin High School, it was raining one day. He did that and hit a grand slam, and he never stopped doing it. So so for, like, Kevin Euclid, his University of Cincinnati stance was boring. And so that was new. That, that Red Sox one was brand new. And what happened is, like, Matt William on the Giants, like, licking his shoulder pretty much as he's, as he's in the box. Um, he's popping up. He, like, Rod Crew wanted to stay loose. Um, he was kind of gripping the bat too tight, so he's like, "All right, I'll just lay it down loose in the middle." You're, 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 you're telling. You're pretty much almost telling the world, "Okay, I'm, I'm doing this poorly, so I'm going to overcompensate by, um, you know, holding my hands way higher because obviously I'm like, I'm dropping them too far and I'm popping up too much, so now I'll have my hands high." And then sometimes it's just. Like Altuve is always gonna like kiss his thumb seven times and go down to his go down to his heart and the, like if you're from Venezuela you're kissing your thumb and you're thanking God and you're doing and and so there's a couple like rituals where what you're doing is kind of based on I don't know just whatever you've always done or what you believe in or whatnot and then some other guys are um, are doing things because 
they get in the cage, and, you know, Bryce Harper went tap, 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 and then taps his foot, and, and it's working, so he's still doing it. You know, I'm sure if he goes through a crazy slump, some guys will just totally dish it, or they'll tell me they'll, um, they'll go like 0 for 20 and all of a sudden decide, all right, I'm not going to wear batting gloves now, or I'm going to, or I'm going to, or I'm going to switch, like, like Harold Reynolds last month told me that he talked to A-Rod and noticed a little, little hitch in his swing, called him and they talked about it and then he switched and he hit a home run the next night, you know, so it's like, I don't know if it fixed it, but Peter Gammons told me that he would fetch, he would, he would like shag fly balls way back in the early, like early Red Sox days of Collier Strzemski and said that Strzemski basically like picked a new stance every year. You, you have taken me back. He was just, he was just overcompensating yeah. for, I just didn't like how much I was popping up last right. year, so I'm going to have my hands higher next year. You know. Right, and some guys are notorious for that. I mean, I know I know Ripken obviously is maybe the maybe the most famous for it. But but you've taken me back. I in 1983 in Little League, and this is a, you know, an opportunity for me to tell one of the few uh, athletic glory stories in my oh, life. Do but it, do it. but uh, 83 in Little League, I was slumping, and I remember I just went up to the plate one day and I started waggling the bat, and I homered. And I waggled the bat for the rest of the organized ball that I played after that. Hilarious. You know? No, to- yeah, no, that's, that's totally that's totally it. And and a lot of times it'll work for a little while, and then it doesn't. I mean, I remember the only home run I ever hit was in, like, sanctioned with a fence home run. It was an 11-year-old All-Stars, and I decided that at bat to bat like Ron Kittle. <laughs> it was like, Standing straight up with the bat, not 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 Julio Franco, but kind of the like more Edgar Martinez, the bat more or less like pointed back at the pitcher, but more relaxed than either of those guys. And sure enough, went over the fence. Let me ask you about Euclid because I know that he's uh, well, he's he's kind of in a league of his own in in yeah. some respects. I think in your book you mentioned that Euclid is one of only a couple of guys that you're aware of who actually finished the swing with the with the wrong hand. Yeah, yeah. Was it Rob Quinlan that you mentioned? Was the was it's the, hilarious? Yes, and and Euclid told me that he saw Joe DiMaggio finish like that, which I've seen enough footage. I was like, okay, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> if you say so. How does that happen with a world class hitter? Do you do something that wrong and still have good results? You know, perfect. There you go. It's it's results. It's it, I mean, the word is just results. And and John Jay, when I was interviewing him, told me that you know when you're hitting over 400, the coach almost doesn't have any power to change what you're doing, even if he doesn't like it, even if he's like. Tom Amansky and he wants you to hit like this and do nope your elbow has to be here I mean when you you know when you're 15 year old or 12 year old or 18 year old you know if you're hitting 480 and your toe is like down and your heel is up in the air and facing the pitcher and, and you're like chattering your teeth on the bat while laying it on your shoulder. It's like, if you hit 490, like, sure, do it. Do that. You know, like, there may be some problems later, but I don't care. You know, and so 
you just you gonna do whatever you can to be so comfortable in May that you do the same thing in October. You know, so these guys just they're just not nervous. Josh Donaldson's doing the same thing every at bat, whether it's twelve nothing or bottom of the ninth or it's like he's doing the exact same thing every time and then trying to get comfortable and yeah, I'd say probably I'd say the players are about 50-50 split on being self-aware. So, in one case, if, like, I don't know, some some advertiser asked Josh Donaldson to, like, swing in a commercial, he may not be able to do it. Like, his intensity when he's on almost doesn't allow him to know what he does with his hands. So, some guys, like, you see Eli Manning throw a touchdown in some commercial, and it's like, yeah, that's, your shoulders don't look like that in a game. Because he's not nervous about getting sacked. So he's just like, eh, and I'll throw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times with, with baseball players, it's the same thing. Um, the the time that Harold Reynolds told me that, I was, um, we were filming a thing for a kid's show on MLB Network, and he had Eduardo Nunez just walk in um, and kind of surprise us. And then um, he wanted Eduardo Nunez to stay in the box and then do his swing and then have me imitate it. And when he did his swing, it actually wasn't his swing. And so then I got in the box and I was like, hey, Eduardo, I know that's how you think you look. This is how you actually look. And it was one of those, like, you know, what a, what a girl feels like in a bikini on the beach. And it's like a picture of Kate Upton, but really what she looks like. And it's like, you know, Marla Hooch from the Road. You know? Um, and so, like, the, that meme is how a lot of players are. So I said, here's what you actually do. And with Eduardo Nunez, I put my bat back, kind of like, it, I don't know where to go with it, and it's sort of up and down. And then I swing and flail through my left arm and then kind of lose my balance on the way out of the box, kind of falling with the bat, kind of twirling around, like a super unpolished, like, Alex Rodriguez on crutches. Like, everything's just, like, falling apart, but smooth enough the bat ends up kind of high and so and then he luckily I mean he was dying laughing and he's like you know what you're right that that is actually what, more what it looks like than <laughs> like what I just did because some guys they don't even they don't even know what they're doing like I think if Dave Winfield was like filming a commercial and say hey Dave what you do I guarantee you he would not adjust his crotch like he does <laughs> mid game like he, he wouldn't do any yeah. of that and that's a key component to the Winfield yeah. routine I mean yeah he wouldn't like just crush the bat against his cleats trying to get like I guess dirt off the cleats or something. he wouldn't do that if he was just like what do you bat like so a lot of guys they're they're not that intense when they're kind of like you'll see it on the jumbotron when you go to any stadium and it's like here comes the next batter and they kind of get in their stance or they it's not they're like they're going so zero miles an hour it doesn't even look like what they really stand like. All right. This is a question that you get a lot in one form or another, and you always answer it very diplomatically. But, I, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Is there anybody? Come on. We, we can be honest here. I've got like 48 people listening to this, okay? <laughs> it, it, is there anybody that you've ever pissed off? <laughs> um, no. They, when... when when you're in the locker room, like that culture, even if you played like me, like barely got, you, you, you played high school, but you were on the bench. Um, everyone's just like razzing on each other in the locker room. So if you, if you really like cried over everything, if you felt slighted, I mean, you would be made fun of mercilessly. So, 
So I think there are plenty of players that think, like, I'll make them look overly muscular. Or, like, with Jeter, I would make him look so effeminate with the way, with how, like, smooth it was. But, like, with, with all the other Yankees laughing hard, what's he going to do? He can't be like, I don't do that. No, that's not what I meant. Like, now, he did tell me that when it was just us. When it was just Jeter and me by ourselves, he was like, I don't do that. And then when it, when the Yankees had me perform for the team before their opening day, Jeter's last year, in Houston, um, the players went bananas because I told them, like, hey, Derek told me that this isn't what he does, so you can help me to know where I'm going wrong. And then I do the full Jeter imitation there. I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was like, Church and Blues Brothers. It was like people were doing flips and backflips. It was, it was awesome. It the, was like trampoline. With Jeter, like a, a, a big part of it is like the butt, right? Particularly when he's taking a pitch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's eyes half open. It's, it's looking cool. It's giving a nod to the pitcher like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. And then it's calling for time with your wrist, not with your fingers. It's like kind of sticking the arm up to call for time and then looking like almost like you have to sneeze like I with eyes half open and then um, kind of twirling the bat around and then when you take the pitch you stick your butt way out you kind of <laughs> lean over like the bat is out as if you're almost like telling them you did swing but the bat's almost in the zone <laughs> and then you're bending down completely over looking at the catcher's mitt <laughs> All right, now, the Pete Rose Hall of Fame, Reds Hall of Fame ceremony, it would be even bigger news if it was just the Hall of Fame ceremony. But uh, but but you were there on hand, and I saw I saw some of the video from that, and, and you doing Pete, and, and Pete was there. Uh, I mean, is, was that the first time that you'd ever done Pete for Pete? Yeah, yeah. How, how was that? It was great. It was a really fun event. Probably 250 people in there, and it was the big red machine. It was the Reds' ownership. It was some awesome other players from that era. From, from the Reds, it was like Chris Sabo was in there. Uh, Dave Parker was in there. But you know, the big red machine, obviously um, Johnny Bench and um, Tony Perez and Dave Concepcion and that whole crew. Uh, Joe Morgan actually wasn't there. It's health. Um, wasn't good, so he did some like video kind of monitor stuff. But yeah, with with Pete, well, what's great about Pete is he's basically like a twelve year old. So like you you could make a fart joke and he'd be like, that's hilarious. Um, but he um, but his his eye for baseball. I mean, it's it's a total shame that he hasn't been in a broadcast booth for the last thirty years because his what he notices about games. He's almost like like a like an unkempt. Tom Verducci, and then like his, <laughs> his astute, like I, I, a person told me, at the, I guess it was the 2011 World Series, that Tom Verducci right before David Fries at that triple mentioned that Nelson Cruz was too far in. I mean, it was like, wait, what? Like, uh, and then it happened, then that had happened, you know, like, like Rose is so good at at just knowing what's going to happen on a baseball field. And so after I did the whole kind of routine, and we pretty much went around and almost clowned every single player. That anyone he, he threw out, the crowd was just eating it up, and it was a lot of fun. Um, 
but afterwards he came up to me um, and much like you've kind of noticed some things about different videos through the years where you've liked and I've really appreciated what you've said just because it's uh, you know not everyone you, you don't necessarily get back feedback on hey this this little thing you did by Ken Rosenthal was funny <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, always hear it from people okay well don't give you know you're going to get me started on that now well, because, hold on. So, okay. so all that to say is Pete Rose came up to me afterwards and obviously it was a thrill to meet him and he was like hey man that was awesome but you know what it's 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 the face it's the facial expression that's it it's it's not the hands it's not the, the i mean the fact that he picked up on that he's like i knew who you were doing once you started doing the facial expressions like I, he said i kept turning around like grabbing marty brenneman it was like that's him that's not what <laughs> so it's like how absurd is it that that anyone gets this and let alone it's 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 Hall of Famer. It's like the yeah. best flyer. Man, it's like you, the all time. You've tuned you know, in. Yeah, you've tuned into something. Tuned, I've, like the whole international thing. Like I've had unbelievably quirky, like organic conversations in the last three years with both Pete Rose and Ichiro. So it's like the two guys that have the most hits in international history. There's like imitating interaction riding in elevators with them both like it's just I, I'm, I feel so unbelievably lucky and like fortunate and just ridiculously lucky you know even but i will say this in that room as as exciting as it was obviously like johnny bench it was such a big deal pete rose it's a big deal the big red machine about ken griffey senior i mean these guys are all awesome I couldn't have predicted this, but when, when I saw Dave Parker walk into the room, I was starstruck. I, I'm not kidding. I could not have told you that. That, oh, you know who I'm going to be starstruck by tonight? You know, sometimes it's just, you know, George Clooney and Charlize Theron walk in the room, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. And then the dad from Happy Days walks in the room, and you're like, no way! That's the dad from Happy Days! Unbelievable! I can't believe it! And so that's what I felt like. It was like, Dave Parker walked in, and was like, Wow that is a celebrity like in my mind I was like I can't believe and when he walked up to me afterwards and I'm like hey man you really got my swing man you really got my swing that was really funny you really got my swing I was like you're Dave Parker the Cobra the Cobra that's unbelievable I, I can't imagine I now you've got you've got celebrity fans though right I mean you know not only base and not only ball players. You've got, you know, you've got your fans uh, around the uh, entertainment industry that are, uh, you know, big uh, BSG uh, people. It's funny you say that because I will have, I will have one or two. So I, I live in Southern California, and so a lot of the people that I'm friends with out there just by default just happen to work in show business. If I was in, you know, Rochester, New York, they'd work at the Kodak plant from <laughs> years ago. But, but, but they work in entertainment. So what will ha happen is. Once or twice a year, some friend will say, dude, I can't believe that Simon Pegg is such a huge fan of yours. And I was like, but the actor is Simon Pegg? He's like, yeah, he's like a humongous fan of yours. I was like, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> what do you, like, I'm like, no, look, it's like, nothing is better than BSG. And I'm like, oh, no, no, that's, um, he's talking about Battlestar Galactica. Like, <laughs> like certain times I'll, like, I'll get told that, like, you know, it's a and I was like, I don't know. I don't think, I think it's something else. 
It's like, no, it's just BSG. And I was like, I think online. <laughs> that's, that's There's a slight difference. There's a slight difference, you know. I'm sure Simon Pegg's a huge baseball fan. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That comes across. Oh my God! So, so is it true that you've gotten letters from Supreme Court justices? Oh wow, uh, it is. Um, yeah, when so Simon Schuster had me. They wanted a a book, um, not written by a player or an announcer, like by a fan, by somebody that's kind of like a voice of the fan, and um, you know, under twenty bucks and fun kind of a different look and so the same 48 re- the same <laughs> 48 listeners of yours were the purchasers of this book so um, it was great it was super fun but then Simon Schuster was like hey if you write a if you want to write something we'll send it to whoever you know and so I thought oh cool so you know there was a few people like yeah why not I'll send it to this person this person this person and then a couple of the people I heard back from and got like legitimately cool letters back so I got a letter from Ken Burns that was completely awesome and then a handwritten letter from George Will saying this will enliven a flight to Israel that I'm taking later this week. Thank George, George Will by the way has smiled like four times in his entire life yeah. and two of them was while he was reading your book. I hope so. Oh man I hope so. Yeah. No, he, he like I think he started parting his hair on a different side after that reading. <laughs> Craziness. Um, and then, yeah, sure enough, um, I knew a couple of the Supreme Court justices were, like, kind of vocal uh, baseball fans. And so, yeah, um, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Alito all wrote me letters saying, you know, hey, I love the – Sotomayor was like, hey, I love the Yankees. You wrote about a couple of them. That's so fun. Thanks for thinking of me. You know, and then Kagan is a Mets fan. Yeah, it was a bizarre. I think Alito's an Orioles fan. Yeah, it was um, – even the – even though like the letterhead, it just looked like someone's playing a joke on me, or I just got a letter from a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> yeah, uh, really, yeah you've really... got a third, a third of them, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty bizarre. And then, and then, you know, the a, a really gratifying thing now at Twitter, it's um, you know, there's more players um, that will react. Um, in fact, it's kind of a joke with a with a friend of mine because well, like I would say, you know, ten of the last thirty tweets that I've done, uh, Ben Zobras has liked it. <laughs> like, like, I don't know for some reason that just that just makes me so happy. I don't know. No, I. It's a, well, to do with it. I totally understand. I got uh, I got retweeted, I think, by, by Evan Gaddis a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and I was just like, "Yeah, man, Evan Gaddis." I'm so glad. I am so glad that you brought that up. So I brought down um, uh, some friends' kids down on the field um, in Anaheim Angels game. Some friends from Texas, and and I direct messaged them because we follow each other on Twitter. And said, hey, uh, oh, by the way, it's so funny. Is he's not verified. So when I was like, hey, we're coming down on the field. Um, let me know if I can, like, take a picture with the kids and you kind of a thing. And so he said, yeah. And then as we were walking out on the field, I thought, wait, because there's no blue check mark, this is going to be really interesting. If he, um, and I would look back at direct messages that we'd sent to each other, and I was like, they all seem, yes, like it could be. It could be him, 
and there's also like a 20% chance it's it's an older woman in Council Bluffs, Iowa that's just like kind of really having fun, <laughs> pretending to be a major leaguer. Um, so, <laughs> Methodically so, making her way past 100,000 right. followers. You right. Know. Three of your listeners are like, I, I'm from Council Bluffs. That's awesome. No. Um, and so, so we, the Astros are stretching, and so I walk out and I look around, and he's stretching, and he, and he raises up his hand like, hey, what's up? I see you. And I was like, oh, he's real. Evan Gaddis really is. You are really getting retweeted by the real Evan Gaddis. And he comes over, and I swear to you, he comes over. And it's somewhat inappropriate with a bunch of kids right there. But he was like, hey, man, I just want you, hey, I just want you to know, man, when I saw you did a video and you, you said, like, where I'd been and kind of where I was from and did my stance, and he said, hey, man, I just want you to know that, like, when I saw you do that, I knew I bleeping made it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, Evan Gaddis, who knew? Evan Gaddis gets it, right? Uh, yeah, and, and there's some play, like, C.J. Wilson's always been incredibly cool. Like, he'll get the nuance or he'll 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 reference um, a, a very niche specific reference from a video that got, like, you know, 900 views. <laughs> and he'll be like, oh, I loved when you said that. Wait, you're one of the you're one of the people that saw that. See, um, we're finding yeah. out who the cool guys are here. You know, that's that's what's happening. The head writer for the head writer for Letterman said he loved um, the Ed Lynch part of this like making of a baseball card spoof video. <laughs> and you're talking about Eric Stengel. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait. It was, it was, yeah, it's kind of mind-bending when that yeah. stuff happens. Yeah, it, no. Like, Euclid has retweeted some stuff, and he's always joked through, like, the New York Times that that I owe him royalties, you know, because, like, everything, <laughs> it's really like, there's no me without him. <laughs> and basically, he's right. Uh, you're, you know, you're like, Dylan had Woody Guthrie, you know. You've got, you've got Euclid. Uh, now listen, now, now I've got a little bone to pick with you here, okay? Oh, um, I'm going back a couple of years, maybe a year and a half. I don't know when it was, but you were doing like the, the uh, you know, like what's my stance thing, yeah. right? And you were soliciting people to send you their stance and then you were telling them what their stance was. So, uh, oh, yeah. you know, so you, you know, so you're not going to remember this, but I'm, you know, I'm a huge, you know, dork for this stuff, of course. Yeah. So I send you a picture of my stance. I, I was, I had uh, one of Mickey Mantle's game used bats from the uh, Little oh, Slugger wow. Museum. So yeah. you know they've got the little thing there for the photo op. So I send you the picture, and you know you're you're privately within yourself, like hoping you're going to get somebody cool, right? Yeah. I mean, we all want we all want somebody oh, cool. No. Um, I, I, I I'm Chris Denorfia. Now <laughs> now nothing against Chris Denorfia. Okay, I want to be clear. Nothing against Kristen Orfia. He can he can do a, he can hit a baseball a lot better than I can. So I'm I should be I should be thrilled to be uh, likened to this man. Okay, he's a major league hitter for a number of years, but that 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 was not what I was hoping for. Yeah, you gotta be careful when you ask. You know, when you ask, does this dress make my hips look? <laughs> you just gotta be careful who you're asking. And you I, ask my dad, I, he'll answer it. <laughs> well, see, I was looking at the st- like afterwards. I'm looking at him. I'm pulling up pictures of him. I'm pulling up video of him. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at me. I'm like, is that me? Yeah, I think that's me. That's, is, is that really me? Is that what I look like? Yeah, I was hoping that I was just going to get. Oh well, you know, that's that's Mantle from the right side. Oh yeah, you know. Oh, but... Emotionally, it was Mantle. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, in my mind, in my heart, 
but uh, physically it was pure dinorphia. Uh, so, so let's talk about the, uh, the the non-batting stance into the things yeah. because I mean the thing that's become clear to me, like I remember in those early videos, I mean you weren't even speaking. No, right. Right. I mean, like how how many videos were we in before you even spoke? So every team, every team video, uh, so all thirty team videos, I don't I don't speak, and then. Um, the first couple of television appearances were it, just a batting stance guy. It wasn't attacked. My name wasn't anywhere on it. Um, MLB Network had me on. Still, there was no, like they put my name on the bottom of the screen. I was like, oh, because I, I don't know what I thought. I mean, every time I was on television, I truly thought that's the last time I'll be on television. You know, I just thought this is it. So let's have fun and. I'll bring my kid or two, you know, and like hopefully they'll I don't know, get a different look than normal. Um, but I, uh, yeah, it wasn't until I was on these television appearances where they were actually asking me questions. And then, um, you know, some of it kind of launched from there. And that I think um, Steve Lyons was the Dodger pregame show host. Um, and so they, I think um, they were kind of having fun with, uh, hey, what's, you know what's what psycho stance and i was like you know psycho you steve you had the perfect stance for anyone that was going to hit 212 and then they started <laughs> laughing and then and then like probably four months later i i was sat down by an executive of fox that said hey i when i heard you say that line i thought whoa hold on i i thought you were like like a kind of a weirdo in your mom's basement that would like who would know how to do this stuff that would that could like interact with women you actually have social skills they're surprised to learn <laughs> stunning and so um so then so then yeah so then he did uh with 14 of the fox sports teams he they had me do a bunch of commercials and do some appearances with the twins the brewers and, and so then that kind of launched from there and then you know there was like late night talk show or you know different different stuff and so then now i'm doing stuff um, kind of intermittently with MLB Network, um, and a lot of it stems from, um, yeah, so like finally talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and it turns out you're, you're you're quite good at it, you know. So it's hard to imagine you uh, uh, doing the silent thing because you know I, I I think that your your imitations are while while your you know your batting stance imitation skills are otherworldly. Okay, so we can't compare the imitations to that, but. But you really do get at the essence of a lot of these baseball personalities, and I know that you you know you, you do broadcasters, reporters, uh, and so forth. I mean, who are your who are your favorite baseball personalities to uh, do impressions of? Well, the one that the, the was so I was doing all baseball. I'll, I'll kind of answer answer this in a roundabout way. Um, I don't necessarily have a single person where I was thinking like, oh, if I can only do this somehow on camera, you know, like, like the Ryan Dempsters and, and the Derek Hollins that'll do, I don't know, Harry Carrier do so. I, I didn't feel like I had any kind of voice or Vince Scully or Joe Gargiola. Like I didn't, I didn't have a guy that I thought like, Oh, I do this guy's voice. Awesome. And I'm really just, I feel real comfortable doing mannerisms. But then, um, I think what happened was I, I'd done stances for a while and then it was an off season. And I thought, I watch, I, I strangely like, let's say MLB Network or ESPN Classic. I like it better in the off season because they'll show the story of the 82 Milwaukee Brewers and then there'll be like a rush of nostalgia, almost like old 
this week in baseball, which is almost better to me than just like a Blue Jays Orioles game. You know, that's just mm-hmm. on a Sunday afternoon or something. I, I, I enjoy almost more watching a video of the 1979 World Series or something, um, like the highlights. Um, and so what I've noticed is on all these on all these shows, there's the same kind of, I don't know, 30 people that are always interviewed. It's so true. It's so true. Always. So much so that I I started having a theory that they filmed everything I'm seeing, they filmed them on the same day, or the same <laughs> two days that Donald Honig went to, <laughs> went to the studios. And they maybe, like, changed his shirt. But in some cases, they wouldn't change, like, the Band-Aid that was on his head like a cut. So, the bit you so do, I'm sorry too, that, the bit you do where like there's different numbers of band-aids every time you cut back to it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that, was, that, was my, that was my favorite one. So I, I, I kind of did all this stuff with the same, with my same buddy, Caleb, and we wrote the book together and we've kind of done everything together with Bag Chance Guy stuff. And I think he was off like um, producing commercials or he was off doing something. And I, and I had this idea and I was like, I have this idea of doing a spoof of all the like, experts talking about Babe Ruth type of show and he, even he after we'd written a book together after we'd done a million things together he was even like no you do that on your own that's too crazy like he just <laughs> thought that was for like six people you know and so I so I filmed it thinking okay I'm going to film this and I and it's probably I don't even think it's going to be that good but I, but I think it has the potential to make six people <laughs> laugh incredibly hard <laughs> well you've identified one of them today I, I put together like or who are the guys that are on it all the time and it was like Thomas Boswell and it was um, um, Ken Rosenthal it was like Steve Hurt from the Elias Sports Bureau and it was uh, Donald Honig and it was Don, Dan Shaughnessy and um, Tom Verducci and Dennis Eckersley like guys that were probably on the oh and Ken Burns and so it was like all these guys and so I thought I had a couple wigs alright I'll shoot this thing and so I don't even know if I've said this like on air. So because my buddy wasn't really helping me with this one, I I went to a kid's birthday party and I asked a friend of mine, "Hey, I'm thinking of filming this thing, but I but I need help with lighting. Don't you do lighting?" And it's my buddy Greg, and he said, um, "Well, what are you going to do?" And he had me explain it to him. And so then I explained, "Well, it's like a spoof for baseball thing, but but I'm thinking of doing interviews, but I but I need to know how the lighting should be. And I don't know, do I take a lamp and like point it right at me? And no kidding, he said, can it wait, can it wait till like after the, whatever it was, like the Oscars or the Emmys or whatever. I was like, sure, when are those? Um, and he's like, if you can wait till next weekend and you can do it in an hour, I got an idea. And so come to find out, the guy I'm talking to is like a cameraman for ABC News. Didn't know that. I thought he did something with lighting, but I wasn't sure. And we all have kids at the same birthday party. And so he says, hey, I'm going to get you in. And so he basically, he said, if you have everything ready to go and you can film it in an hour, I'll hold the camera. But if we can just get in and get out, he took me into the ABC News interview room so that experts discussing Babe Ruth, it's all shot in the same room. But there's four corners that are like, that looks like a hotel. That looks like um, a university professor's lounge. That looks like a um, like a dark room. That looks like all the corners are different, and it's a tiny little room. It's no bigger than whatever room you're in right now. Um, and so we just ran in there, 
shot it really fast and got out and then I edited it that night and then I put it out there thinking like again I think like 20 people are going to find this funny and it was like Keith Law started tweeting it and then all of a sudden it my, probably my wife's favorite thing that's happened during this whole thing is it ended up in the New York Magazine approval matrix like the pop culture highbrow lowbrow despicable that video ended up in that little thing she, her and all her friends are like now that we get we get that like that's like real currency with us <laughs> like like I was on like a Bravo show you yeah. know? well the, the Thomas Boswell is I mean you have his mannerisms down so, so the two so the two the two things that have been fun from that is I've gotten several writers that either on Twitter or um several writers have the same view of Thomas Boswell and it's uh, we'll call it sort of positive um, if at all um, and so they will like text me or Facebook or email or whatever from and they'll they'll mention they're standing really close right now to a little boy was on a train um, about the like the baby story from Bob from uh, Thomas Boswell so that came through and then I met Steve Hurt at the All-Star Game, the, the guy at the Elias Sports Bureau, and he walks up to me, introduces himself, and he says the line from the uh, sketch. I oh swear. My God. That's amazing. I swear. He comes up to me and he says, extrapolate that till today. <laughs> Babe Ruth was needed. Barry Bonds would need it. 302 home runs this year. He literally said it like he'd had it on loop or something. That's unbelievable. That was a total throw. That was, That's that was unbelievable. a total. And, and I got to tell you, you, you nail you nailed the Ken Burns as well because he's got that, <laughs> you know, you've, you've, you've really got sort of that somewhere between wide-eyed and like wild-eyed romanticism <laughs> that, 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 he, that he does. Uh, just, just, just spot on. I mean, it's spot on. Usually, usually, um, so on a spoof like that, usually what'll happen is the, the subject will write, um, write the lyric <laughs> in that I'll watch like 45 minutes of an interview. Um, and they'll pretty much say a couple of phrases in the interview that are like only, you know, if you're doing a Scott Boris imitation you've listened to 45 minutes of his interview he'll, he'll say like three or four things that just no one else says so like a circuitry of value <laughs> like the, he'll, he'll say something that like no one else says that phrase so i'm gonna throw that phrase into there um Ozzy Gian, like whoever it is like usually there's something that they'll say that that kind of works almost like as a single tweet for their existence like how you know like dennis eckersley he's like wide-eyed like oh, i mean oh, i mean like he his his commentary is mouth agape looking at you incredulously like, <laughs> i mean can you i mean well i mean well you know it's, it's trying to somehow going. communicate it to you telepathically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, i'm gonna tell uh you know my followers listeners who don't who don't know uh, you can go to BattingStanceGuy.com, and, and you're going to find a lot of this stuff. You can follow him at BattingStanceG, okay? Darn you, uh, Twitter, for the limited uh, characters. But he's BattingStanceG uh, uh, on Twitter. And then, of course, you have a, a YouTube uh, channel as well, and I believe that's uh, 
Benny, is that... Uh, uh, yeah, I think if you, if you type in Batting Stance Guy, get it, right? the channels like Batting Stances or Batting Stance Guy, you, it's pretty easy to find. There's like 300 videos or so on that. And a lot of the stuff from the Pete Rose that just, um, those just went up a couple days ago. And I, I'm assuming that many, uh, that most of my listeners probably are at least passingly familiar with your work if not if not really big fans so but but for for a lot of you if you've made it this far in the podcast and we don't have a lot of time left but if you if you've made it this far and you you haven't gone looking at his videos by all means feel free to pause this we'll still be here for the remainder of the podcast whenever you're ready but you need to check this out and and i'm actually going to play a clip right now because um one of your uh one of your masterworks for me is this bit that you that you did called Slow News Day. Uh, for, for my listeners, would you kind of set this up, the premise uh, of the of the bit, and then after you do that, I'm going to play uh, a clip of you doing your Ken Rosenthal. So it was a response to the um, MLB experts discussing Babe Ruth with the Ken Burns and the Thomas Boswell. Um, with a who are the guys that are actually like on the field and on the sideline and what are they saying so that one was more the kind of experts discussing the history of baseball whereas slow news day was um, you know if it's a trading deadline you have real stuff to talk about game seven of the world series real stuff to talk about but a lot of times the announcers are using the same kind of vigor the cute sideline girls the same kind of like and you know what the blister, is, you know, and, and they're talking in June in Tampa Bay about something that's just like, they, they can't let on how, like, insignificant this is in the big scheme of things. Like, they have to treat it with the utmost respect. So it was all the on-the-field type experts and the people that we're checking in with throughout a day, like, giving heavy weight to the fact that Darwin Barney, who was basically the person we got to be in this kitchen, <laughs> that Darwin Barney was going to use a bat that was an eighth of an ounce heavier. All right. And just how that was going to change everything. Eighth of an ounce heavier, Darwin Barney's bat. It's a slow news day. Um, let's let's go to uh, Fox's Ken Rosenthal in the, in the camera well. Yeah, in the camera well. Uh, I, I, I believe that you know he's 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 been working the phones. And he has he has something to report on this. Spoke with a molecular engineer who says that bats that are more dense are heavier, which is pretty great news for hitters. Bats that are heavier hit the ball harder. So for Barney, one, the bat will be heavier. Two, it won't be as light. Three, it will weigh more. <laughs> So, I mean, Rosenthal nailed that. I mean, just I mean, he he nailed that story. I mean, I feel like now I I know what the ramifications are going to be of the Darwin Barney's back. Me, the comedy for me is the beat that happens between sentences. Ken Rosenthal is not someone like me that grew up with a bunch of siblings all around the dinner table, and if you don't if you don't barge in there and get in and get out. Um, someone's going to interrupt you or talk over you. And so he's standing there like he's got time. Like he's going to let this sentence sink in with you. I want you to consider the words that I just said. Like your dad is getting you in trouble for forgetting to wash your hands before dinner, and he is on you. And he and he's telling you that you're in trouble, and then he's just 
staring at you like, what do you think about that? And then adding the next sentence. So Rosenthal is, is, is pausing. And then there's a tiny, not a lisp, but there's definitely a, which is pretty, pretty great. It's a little like there's a few extra W's. All right, now. Um, now, I, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I mean, I know that you can do batting stances like the drop of a hat. Could you could you give me a little bit of Ken Rosenthal breaking the story that batting stance guy is going to be on the Super 70 Sports Podcast? All right. All right. <laughs> Look, I've talked to a lot of people, and they think the Super 70s podcast is worth doing. Now, it's not sure if Batting Sands guy will be on it, but my sources say that he will. <laughs> I'm Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> Oh my God! You're right. It's all it's all about timing. I mean, that's that's what you get. You don't have to you don't have to sound exactly like a guy if you capture the the quirks. His facial expression is like he's interrupting himself. <laughs> it's he's deep down a thought, and then he's like, "Whoa, hold on, just a second. It's like every time Chris Berman yells out, "Look." And it's like, wait, you just started the sentence. Like, I'm, no one was talking. He's like, he, he was not sure what to say, and then he yelled, look. Like, let me change the subject here. Like, nobody was talking. You were just, we just came back from commercial break. Well, uh, it's making me think of Jeremy Schapp. Who's... Well, he's, I mean, th- yes, that's, that's exactly who you should think of. And, and, and you should think of, back in the day, Rachel Nichols, bobbing her head back and forth without her without her body moving, her ears going back and forth like Rachel Nichols, ESPN. It's just like <laughs> bobbling back and forth. And then I'm Jeremy Schapp. Pause. Two, three, four. ESPN. Nobody can draw out ESPN like Jeremy Schapp. I mean, forget about it. You can retire that title. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Was he, was he an only child? It's my uh-huh. question. I mean, a million, a million kids, but but probably I don't know if there was like a dinner table because his dad must have been like in like Munich covering it. Like right. he, was, he must have always been somewhere. Right, his dad's not there. Jeremy's just you know asking his mom to pass the potatoes in the you know most sort of painstaking way possible. Mom, uh, in Johannesburg, please pass. <laughs> then afterwards, inevitably, he says, "I'm Jeremy Shop." Right? I mean, I feel like his entire life he's he's ended conversations with "I'm Jeremy Shop." <laughs> it, it does look like you're standing in a mirror looking. <laughs> what if I said like, "I'm Jeremy Shop"? Yes, I'm Jeremy Shop, and the people are like, "Ooh, I love that dude." <laughs> Like if you sped him, if you sped him up to like whatever uh, speed Alvin and the Chipmunks are on, he would just sound like a normal guy, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's like if you if you play Mission Impossible Two in real time, it's like thirty <laughs> minutes because of all the slow mo. So, right. Yeah, if, I'm sure like his report is 
speaking like you, his report's like 13 seconds. <laughs> I, you know, pitchers. Is, is, is it, are pitchers just not as funny? Or is that like, you know, you've got your, you've got your thing and we don't, we don't need to bring pictures into it because I mean, you, you would be the guy to do it. I mean, if, if anybody's going to uh, branch into that, I mean, you know, America turns its lonely eyes to you. So I mean, it's, is that- it's very hard. To, it's very hard to look organic throwing righty and lefty. It's much easier to, to bat righty and lefty than to throw righty and lefty. And I mean like to look like you throw. Right. Lefty. So oh, I can do, see that. I would look. If you do a great not good lefty. If you do a great Eckersley, my guess is you don't do a very good Steve Avery. Like it doesn't look the same. Yeah. Um, righty and lefty. In fact, Steve Young doesn't even look like he throws lefty, and he throws lefty. You know, like he, he his quarterback throws are like like he's not a lefty. Um, so I think with pitchers, they're certainly interesting, and there's certain um, like closers with the close up on their face. Often they'll do something weirder if you're Mike. Fetters or Bob Shirley, or if you do something kind of quirky, Al Hrabowski, you can. Um, it's imitatable. But I was just hoping somebody would come along and their dreams could come true by. Being... <laughs> you're leaving. You're leaving that open. I mean, yeah, graciously. Like Three point stance guy. I mean, I want somebody to like revolutionize. <laughs> and then this guy Brandon Armstrong is hilarious. The basketball. Yeah, he is good. He's unbelievable. His mannerisms are fantastic. He's so good. He's so so good. What would your advice be for him? We talk. No, we we yeah. talk right before. Um, uh, gosh, my advice. Um, I mean, he's in a he's in he's in he's in a tough spot because it's um, like what he does is awesome. Uh, it's just you know the the dream would be to fully monetize it every second, and it, you know. He, he has crazy exposure. I mean, he has all, like, Westbrook, LeBron. I mean, he has all the guys that have seen his videos hard and, like, retweeting him and putting him on. Um, he's actually talented, though. So, for me, I'm just this, like, schlubby, no one, you know, like, like I'm not about to, like, get a tryout with the Rockies or whatever. Whereas he's, like, playing in Italy or he, he's, like, a pretty good player. So, he's, um, I guess I don't know what my advice I mean, my advice definitely would be whatever whatever the goal is in terms of like people that he wants to meet and things he wants to do, like to to kind of work around the clock at it to where um, you don't think like, well, I'll I'll try this in a couple of years because it can definitely like I'm sure one day it'll go. I mean, I'm stunned. It's like you said, oh wait, it's 2016. I mean, I'm I'm just floored that. Like the Pete Rose thing and the being on MLB Network and doing stuff for All Star. I mean, I can't believe it's still going on. Yeah, I mean, it's. I almost have people like incensed that that they're like, I'll get the your fifteen minutes of fame was up in <laughs> two thousand. You know, I'll get those like angry <laughs> tweets. And it's like, nah, I'm with you. I can't believe it. I mean, my own how dad, can any how can anybody be angry at the Bastards guy? Come on, that's. I not... think when you get with like much like you with Evan Gaddis, when when you get the like next level retweet, like when Keith Oberman or Alyssa Milano or Buster Olney will retweet me, I, it's like people that hate me are then like it's I'm pressed in their face again. So <laughs> right. Like I'm so angry, but usually on a person like that, if you look at their last twelve t- 
tweets are like, I freaking hate flow from progressive. <laughs> they're angry about they're everything. Like, they're right. really like, they're, they're super not into or into whatever they're into. <laughs> uh, uh, of course. Um, okay. Uh, since this is, uh, you know, ostensibly a 70s-related thing a lot of the time, give me a handful of your favorite batting stances from the 70s, 80s era. Sure. Um, so, Ricky Henderson and Pete Rose, Brian Downing, Rod Carew... Cal Ripken. Say Phil Plantier may have played like in the late eighties, um, but he's mostly ninety. Plantier got so. Did he get lower with his ass to the ground than anybody else? I mean, is there anybody oh, yeah. else oh, that's yeah. in that category? Yeah, no, I said that on Letterman. Yeah, he. Nobody. When I said Pete Rose got low, I was like, he's. Nobody's gotten lower except. Plantier, and whatever reason Letterman laughed, I don't know if he knew who that was, or he just thought it was absurd that I <laughs> threw out like a random other player. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he asked me about Pete Rose or Charlie Osel. I was like, "What was I mean? What was that like being on Letterman? You know, because that's one of those things that we all you got to you got to uh, you know pull the curtain back and yeah. see something that the rest of us would only speculate about." Yeah, and he, you know, and he asked for basically the answer to your question. He asked for. Joe Morgan, he asked for uh, Willie Stargell, he asked for Rod Carew. So th- those are those are the guys I get asked about, probably the most from that era. And they asked people ask for Steve Garvey, um, but definitely people ask for those guys probably the most. So what's next for the batting stance guy? I mean, you know, over the course of the last eight years, I mean, I think a lot of us that have been following you, you know, we feel like we've gotten to know you a little bit. And I think that's one of the charms about you, as you were kind of alluding to earlier. You you know, you're kind of the everyman. And in fact, you know, I got to say, your your jersey collection, uh, off the charts. I, I feel, is there, like, if I bumped into you one day on the street, is there like a 90% chance you're just, you're just rocking some sweet jersey? That's so funny. I swear to you, yesterday, my wife says, um, you are, you're definitely like overworking the jerseys right now. We got to switch them up. She just said laundry and there was like five jerseys in there. I mean, part of it's like summer and you're at the beach, you're trying not to get burned. And so it's like, all right, I'm just throwing on stuff. And then <laughs> it's impossible. Um, it's impossible to overwork those jerseys. Come on. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty nice. I usually wear one when I'm like base coaching, when I'm coaching my daughter's softball team, I'll just like, well, when am I going to wear this baby blue early 80s Texas throwback jersey with you Darvish's name on the back? Like, I might as well wear it here. No occasion uh, for which that is inappropriate, my friend. No, there's none. It's, none. It's, it's so fun. By the way, you can get a Richie Zisk Seattle Mariners Mitchell and S jersey at Safeco for 90% off because there's dust on it because nobody wants it. Just hold on to it for a couple of years. Chances are the Mariners will sign Robinson Cano, and now it looks like a retro Cano because they wear the same number. <laughs> does it make Does it make me a weird guy that I think I actually prefer the Zisk? Yeah. You know, I don't no. answer that. I mean, no. but so 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 what do you have going on now? I mean, you know, you're. It seems like you're branching out. You know, beyond just the just the batting stances. I mean, what's happening? Yeah. So. Um, Probably the thing I'm most excited about is 
Madison Bumgarner and Carhartt, and it is uh, a, a brand of clothing and more um, for the working man. Um, and so they contacted me this year. We're like, hey, we're doing this thing, and we want to get the word out organically, and we want you to be the one to do it. So they brought me in to um, shed light on this rad charity deal that's happening where Madison Bumgarner um, is a spokesperson for Carhartt and really likes their stuff. And then um, the charity that he wanted to do was called Helmets of the Hard Hats. It's like a case for vets where when veterans come back from overseas or from serving, they um, get hard hats to do kind of worker jobs. Um, and the, he's you know living on a farm in North Carolina and, and really likes taking care of veterans and whatnot. So um, Carhartt, the company that he spokesperson for, says, all right, here's what we want to do because that's important to you. It's important to us. So every time you strike someone out this year, we're going to donate $500 to that um, charity. And so um, the, the PR firm, Brand Amp, that does Carhartt, um, they brought me in and said, hey, we want to organically get this word out. We don't want to just put out a press release or I don't know. Um, call attention to it in like a braggy way so because you're fun and goofy let's do this the only updates we'll give on how much money that we've raised for this is every time after my runner strikes out nine or more in a game we're gonna have you immediately do the imitations of every strikeout that he just did that game um, and then what you can do is you can do it however you want and then um, kind of give a summary of like, and now we're up to $85,500 or whatever. Um, and so that's been so fun. It's been fun to be a part of that. And um, just heard like that Bumgarner's wife's been showing him and he's really liking all the activity and thinks it's funny. And, so it's like, and it is. It's, just, and it's great. I've, I've seen some of the videos. I, I saw the one uh, where I believe he, he struck out 14 yeah. Uh, Diamondbacks, and so you were you were ripping through fourteen strikeouts pretty quick, yeah. and it was it was good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that so that's was fun, and then I did the the Pete Rose, the Carlos Beltran. There's there's an event I'm doing. It looks like in Minnesota, possibly in um, October. So what'll happen is is teams like the Yankees or the Reds, or the Angels, or the Dodgers, they'll they'll bring me in. The A's just did the Indians let me throw out a first pitch last year. And so they'll 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 bring me in to do something for like the player, um, or the player's charity, like Ryan Zimmerman I hosted a couple of the um nights where he's raising money for uh, multiple sclerosis. Both our moms have MS, or both in wheelchairs. Um, and so he does unbelievable stuff uh, with MS as a whole foundation, um, raising money for multiple sclerosis. So I'm always writing, rooting for Zimmerman because he's a really, really good dude. In fact, crazy thing, he, he had, so CAA reps him, and he um, he had in his contract written in that he gets Nats Park one night a year to do whatever he wants. So, of course, the Nats were like, well, why don't you just ask for $5 million more? And he was like, no, I because I want to do this. And whether he has, like, a case of beer and his buddies from high school to take BP or he throws this huge gala event for MS, he gets to do whatever he wants. That's awesome. So, yeah, so it's been so cool. That is so awesome. That that's what he's done to like raise a ton of money for multiple sclerosis. So, so those things are great. And and when the teams will 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 reach out, um, 
Yeah, no, it's just it's so much fun, and it's the most contextualized comedy they'll ever get. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> the jokes that can be told nowhere else. Um, but that's 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 been really fun. And then MLB Network has me um, as a correspondent for intentional talk on anything that their talent's not going to fly out to get. So, like they had me, um, they had me be the liaison for this home run derby that took place at the Single A Home Run Derby. Actually, a bunch of the guys just got traded. Travis Demerit, one of the guys in the Home Run Derby, and then, uh, let's see, uh, Justice Sheffield, or, like one of the guys who was just traded, were all in that single A, all-star Home Run Derby. Um, it was crazy, but they did it off an of aircraft carrier in San Diego, so Intentional Talk had me be the liaison for that, so that's it's super fun to, to kind of, you know, every once in a while show up on MLB Now, or MLB Central, or... Um, something like that. Fox Sports sent me to do all-star game correspondent stuff. And so it's like, I'm not big enough to be, um, to have other stations like not use me. <laughs> so it's like, I've, I've done stuff for all three of those networks in the last years. Uh, but uh, but MLB Network's the one I'm doing the most. All right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for the, uh, the batting stance guy show. Okay. So we need to let the, we need to let the folks at MLB Network know that uh, you know you've got a following here that wants you to get your own uh, block of time. From your mouth to Secaucus, New Jersey's ears. So we're gonna we got to work on that because I mean I can I honestly can't think of anybody uh, you know who who's done more over the course of the last eight years just to help make baseball fun. And, uh, you know, just as, as a fan of your work, I thank you for that because, you know, you, you make baseball more fun. Thank you very much. Well, the good news is your Twitter account makes it fun. So well, thank you. I, the, the website is BattingStanceGuy.com. You can find him on Twitter at BattingStanceG. All right, which is kind of cool. It's kind of gangster, right? You know, the, <laughs> oh, the, the O or the original Batting Stance G. Oh. Super uh, you, ever been, you ever been to Danville, California? You cannot get more gangster. <laughs> the the mean streets. Oh, uh, I think I mean it, Christy Turlington and um, Sully Solenberger. Those are the two toughest guys. Our, <laughs> hey, listen, Christy Turlington. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's rough. <laughs> well, Gar Ryness, the batting stance guy. Been a real pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. I might even have to split. I might have just gotten two podcasts out of this. This may be a four-part <laughs> we, we, of a <laughs> We may need Kim Burns uh, at some point just to reflect on, you know, the the to help us gain perspective on what has just happened here. <laughs> Hilarious. All right, my friend. Th- thanks so much for coming on. All right, take care. My thanks to Gar Ryness, and, and what a delightful guy he is. I, I think I could have spoken with him all day, and in fact, we, we nearly did. I had to edit this podcast liberally to get it under an hour and a half. Uh, Gar was very generous with his time, and I'm very grateful that he came on the podcast. And, and, and he's a guy with a singular talent. How many people can we really say that about? There's no other batting stance guy. There's only one. And be sure to uh, follow him on Twitter, check out his work on YouTube, uh, BattingStanceGuy.com, and of course look for him on the MLB Network. Uh, Gar Ryness out there doing the Lord's work, making baseball fun. And isn't that what it's all about? My guest next week 
1974 National League Rookie Pitcher of the Year, according to an authority no less than the Sporting News. John D'Aquisto, Johnny D, has a new autobiography out, a memoir, if you will, of his career in the 70s and 80s, and it is fantastic. The book is called Fastball John, and in it, he talks about not only what it was like being a baseball player in the 1970s, and, and that's quite interesting, but he also talks about what it was like off the field, living in that environment. Uh, and when you read this book, you really feel like you've been dropped off in time in the 1970s. And uh, uh, John and uh, his uh, co-author, David Jordan, really weave uh, a tale that is so engrossing and not just as a baseball book. Uh, uh, Johnny D is a, a huge music guy. And he weaves the music of that era into the book and also talks about all of the off-field stuff, the nightlife and the, the women and all of those things that uh, made the 70s uh, such a decadent time, particularly for a, a young uh, and successful professional athlete. So you're not going to want to miss it when John D'Aquisto joins us on the next episode of the podcast. So be sure to join me next time to hear the story of John D'Aquisto. And, and do you need a teaser? Should I, is, is this where I do a teaser? John D'Aquisto once got into a fight with Bob Gibson in an elevator. Yeah, that sells itself, right? You don't want to miss hearing about that. Come on, are you kidding me? Uh, be sure to tune in next week. Hear about Johnny D. Hear about the fight with Bob Gibson for crying out loud. And don't ever miss an episode of the Super 70 Sports Podcast.